The Deserted Mine From Peasant Tales of Russia by Vasily Nemirovich Danchenko Translated by Claude Field This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kevin Davidson Part 3 The gallery in which the old man worked was fairly high. Here and there beams sustaining the roof were visible, but their decrepit condition testified to their age. Above these worm-eaten beams the earth formed protuberances, bristling with pointed rocks. The ground was strewn with fragments of rock which had fallen from the roof. Old Ivan remembered having seen one day one of these fragments kill, as it fell on a little boy who had been a great pet of his. This little boy, generally accompanied by his father, and his gay bursts of careless laughter animated a little, the sepulchral silence of the mine. It seemed but yesterday that the old man had seen the child running merrily along the gallery. All at once the misshapen block protruded from the roof. The child stopped out of curiosity, raised his clear eyes to see what it was, and the huge stone suddenly dropped, burying and crushing him entirely. The father was in utter despair, and the other miners could not restrain their tears. As for Ivan, he persisted in prowling for a long time round the great black stone, as though he were expecting to hear from under the enormous block the well-known laugh of the little one. But nothing came to awaken the melancholy silence of the gallery. The old man now halted near this murderous rock and held his lamp near it, lighting up the indistinct outlines of a cross rudely engraved in the stone. After looking round as though he were afraid of being seen, he rapidly made the sign of the cross above the tomb. If the miners had been able to watch him just then, they would have been astonished to see his perpetually closed lips moving. But no one could have said whether he only wished to speak or actually spoke for none but himself heard the vague murmur which issued from his lips. On his left hand there was an extremely narrow passage. The old man entered it, crawled through it, and stood upright again, for he had reached the place where he worked, which was fairly roomy. However, although one could stand upright in it, the place had a sepulchral aspect. The old man raised his lamp, whose tiny gleam lit up for a moment the black walls, discolored by stains of yellowish rust. Here it was almost dry, and the light of the lamp revealed no moisture. Little irregular heaps of ore dotted the ground. However, there was one damp corner, and in it grew thickly together a little group of mushrooms, with little flat hoods of a sickly white color on stalks which were also white and very slender. The old man took care of them, and avoided covering them with any of the earth which he dug out. One day he had even brought to this corner a piece of turf, in the midst of which were some field flowers, but neither the buttercups nor the daisies consented to live without the sun. They gradually died, fading away by stages, like consumptives who are deprived of the sun and of its warmth. Only one little flower had a tougher life than the rest, and held out a long time, although it completely lost its color in the eternal darkness of this tomb. 
Ivan watched it with curiosity, until it also hung its head over its desiccated stalk. Then he had nothing left but the mushrooms, and a kind of grayish lichen which spotted the rock at intervals. Today old Ivan was very tired. He sat down on a heap of ore, placed his little lamp in a niche of the rock, which was already blackened with smoke, and buried his head in his hands. Not a single echo reached this spot. A melancholy silence reigned in this vault, but the old man was accustomed to it. He, for whom the darkness was peopled by mysterious apparitions, vanishing as soon as they appeared, heard also strange voices down here. Sometimes it was like the fragment of an incomplete song, or a distant call which pierced the silence. At other times, when his pickaxe penetrated deeply the heart of the rock, he fancied he heard a stifled sigh, as if the tool had pierced the breast of a living creature. All these vague sounds seemed to him full of significance. Having nothing in common with the world of reality, he lived in fancies and dreams. Sometimes, after making sure that he had a supply of matches, he put out his lamp lay on his back on the ground, and fixed his wide-open eyes on the darkness. Then it seemed to him that the walls of his black prison expanded indefinitely. The vaulted roof overhead rose to a prodigious height, and he felt himself, for the first few moments, lost in such a terrible void that his breath seemed to stop. He felt a strange uneasiness, mixed with fear, for in the absolute darkness he seemed suspended alone and without the least support in the immensity of space, and every moment about to fall. But this lasted only a short time, and the darkness gradually became less dense. First of all the blackness was diversified by spots of light, then by blazing spirals of fire. These then changed into golden circles, which in their turn disappeared in showers of sparks, then the spots of light assumed all the colors of the rainbow, and the fiery spirals shone with a dazzling light, revolving rapidly in the darkness, which, however, was not dispersed by this lightning-like splendor. Then they melted together and rose to giddy heights, appearing up there like glittering mirages. Sometimes the spots of light assumed indistinct shapes, which seemed to have transparent wings, while white robes fluttered behind them. Mysterious spirits, who shunned the light of the lamp, escaped from the black rock bastion, and gathered round the old man, leaning over him and gazing intently into his wide-open eyes. At such times he heard a vague rustling around him. He seemed to feel the breath of the rocks, reaching him through invisible fissures. He heard the musical complaint of a spring imprisoned in the rock or it might be a distant song. His ear caught distinctly harmonious sounds which sometimes melted together and sometimes followed each other, sporting like butterflies in the field, and he eagerly listened to their ineffable melody. Thus he would pass hours, even entire nights, while forgotten by his comrades he remained alone in the enormous mine alone with his visions and the fantastic echoes of a world unknown and invisible, but today these things hardly occupied his mind at all. The next day was a Saturday, 
and he had to break as much ore as possible and convey it, together with the piles already prepared, to the principal gallery, where the overseer of the mine would take it over. In the evening he would receive his pay, the whole of which he would take to an old woman living in the village. She looked after him, prepared his meagre repasts, mended his clothes, and bought his boots. People said she was his sister, but he felt doubtful about it. He knew that he had passed his childhood far away from her, for while he was always in the mine with his mother, she was growing up in a strange family who took care of her. He never spoke to her. When he entered in the evening, he silently placed his money on the table, let his head drop in his hands, and remained sitting in this attitude. When she called him to sit down at table, he rose and obeyed, otherwise he would have remained as he was till the morning, as motionless as a log. When he happened to remain in the mine for the night, his sister was not anxious about it. She knew that he had taken with him a large chunk of bread and a handful of salt. As for water, there was no lack of that in the mine. She knew also that in a corner of the sepulchral vault, where he worked like a mole from morning to night, there was a can of oil, and that he could relight his lamp whenever it went out. Ivan stooped down, looked for his pickaxe, found it, and sat down to break pieces from a block of ore which projected from the wall. This ferruginous earth was as hard to break as stone. Ivan worked slowly, sparing his strength because he could not do otherwise. Care had been taken to show him a place where the rock was not so hard as elsewhere. Fragments of yellowish earth fell on the ground and the rays of the little lamp lit up the particles of copper which glittered here and there in the pieces of rock. After two hours' work the pickaxe fell from the old man's hand. Feeling quite exhausted, he squatted down on the ground, cut himself a large slice of bread, sprinkled it plentifully with salt, and began to munch the soft part of it with the remnants of his teeth. There was in one corner a wheelbarrow, light enough for the old man to push it. After having rested, he filled it with ore, and crawled, pushing the barrow in front of him, through the narrow passage which led to the main gallery. At the end of the passage a point of yellow light was visible. This proceeded from the main gallery, where a large number of miners worked, and the yellow light was that cast by their lamps. Several times the old man sank exhausted on his stomach on the ground. Then, after resting a minute or two to recover his strength, he began to crawl on, again pushing his load in front of him. The point of light grew larger from moment to moment, and soon became a broad, luminous disk against which the outline of a miner stood in sharp relief. A few minutes more, and the wheelbarrow issued from the passage, pushed by the old man, who sank as he did so on the ground. "'Stop a minute. You're tired. Let me help you, old man,' said a young miner who had finished his work. The old man lifted his head, looked at him for a moment, sank down again. The younger laid hold of the wheelbarrow, but Ivan took it brusquely from him and shook his head with an air of disapproval. "'What fly is buzzing in your head, comrade?' several of the other miners said to the young one have you forgotten the old man's habits 
You know that he never allows anyone to enter his hole, nor to touch his barrow, for he has heaped up riches in it. Since he has worked in the mine, he has found so much gold that he has become a regular Croesus. The miners laughed good-naturedly, tapping the old man's shoulder with their horny fingers. "'March on in front, Ivan, and the other one will follow,' they said to soothe him. Instead of answering, Ivan removed his old leather cap and commenced bowing to right and to left, as to give his comrades a good view of his bald head. "'That's enough, old man. Yes, we know your zeal,' the miners said, laughing. "'He is quite a child, eh?' "'He has forgotten how to talk,' someone remarked. "'Yes, he is innocent.' "'Ach, my God, what is that?' In the twinkling of an eye, everyone was on their feet. It seemed as though the huge mountain was breathing with all its lungs. The noise came from a distance and drowned all the others. The miners were deafened. Suddenly a gust of wind rushed violently through the gallery, extinguishing nearly all the lamps. Somewhere, one knew not where, rose cries of anguish, which were soon lost, and an immense uproar after hurriedly relighting their lamps the miners rushed in the direction of the cries a gleam of intelligence lit up the eyes of old ivan as he tottered after them on his feeble legs end of part three recording by kevin davidson www.blogordie.com